Welcome to today's episode of the Bus Stop Podcast. I can't help but think about the NBA playoffs again. Round two is just underway. It was also announced that Joel Embiid has been named MVP. He's had some incredible performances. uh, And two, there was a lot of controversy around it. But he's finally been named that. Uh, We'll talk Dylan Brooks not being brought back uh, to Memphis possibly next season. How he dug his own grave. Finally tonight, Jimmy Butler has been listed out uh, for uh, game two. And uh, we'll see what LeBron and Steph, again, that rematch, we'll see what that looks like here on the Bus Stop Podcast. So Joel Embiid was named MVP just a few minutes ago. And and the whole thing about it, I know that some people will just walk away and not necessarily think much of it. But remember, Nokic, Jokic was, you know, looking for a a three-peat as far as the MVP goes. And a lot of interviews in the media, you know, talked about you couldn't give it to him and Joel Embiid was playing really good. And I think it was a case of two guys that were doing a tremendous job and it was hard to pick. And it was, you know, we don't really talk about three time MVPs. Let I remind you that we, we don't see that at the top 10 players of all time. You don't see that three time back to back to back. And so there was a lot of you couldn't give it to that you couldn't give it to to Joker again, uh, and Joel Embiid deserved it. And so some people are going to twist this as a petty sort of maybe MVP, not necessarily a MVP that is worth uh, that he wanted outright. But at the end of the day, he is the MVP, and he's been playing lights out. He wasn't available yesterday against the Celtics. But James Harden was James Harden of the old. So for Embiid, uh, it's well-deserved. I I don't think that he he was under Joker. I think they were about the same. And Embiid had some incredible performances. And he really stepped up, uh, I think, from previous years this year. And maybe that is why he is MVP. So congratulations to him. But we look at the playoff bracket and for what it's worth, right now Miami, I think, has the more favorable route, even though they just announced Jimmy Butler's not playing in game two. I just don't know, you know, without Jimmy Butler healthy, I, I like their route, and I thought it was going to be the easiest one up until they were talking about Jimmy Butler was a decoy in game one, and then now he's not playing for game two. So that series just got a whole lot tougher for the heat philadelphia i alluded to they didn't have him beat i don't know if they'll have him for game two tomorrow but james harden last night was incredible he put up 45 and he was unstoppable even against great defense i think the thing that bothers me the most about boston is they're so unsure of themselves 
in, in late game situations. They're not 100% sure where the ball is going to go. They have a lot of playmakers, so that's not the issue. The playmakers are not what the issue is. It's just they just don't know who to give the ball to in late situations. And in my opinion, uh, Jason Tatum has to have the ball throughout the entire last possession. Marcus Smart had the ball for the first four seconds and then tried to give it to Tatum, but it was a pass that just wasn't clean. The look wasn't good enough. The miscommunication was there. I I think I can see you getting it to Jalen Brown or to Marcus Smart early in that possession, but within two to three seconds, it has to go to Tatum. That is why he is the superstar of that team. And last night was incredible from Harden again without Embiid. I don't know if Embiid is coming back in game two, but Boston has its work cut out for them. Remember, Philadelphia had a lot of rest. They won 4-0 against Brooklyn. Boston played six. They won 4-2 against Atlanta, but still those two extra games alluded to a lot of rest for Philadelphia. It also alluded to a lot of game planning too as well. Think about it. You have all that extra time. Philadelphia is just watching Boston, diverting a game plan. I I think Boston's talent will take this to six games, if not seven. But you have to think, if they're holding the fort down without Embiid there, what's going to happen when Embiid comes back? And, you know, some people say it might be worse, it might be better, but he's the MVP. I'd imagine it it makes Philadelphia all that much more unstoppable. But, man, uh, I think right now between Philadelphia and Boston is, is sort of what we could have anticipated for the conference finals. You know, everybody pretty much thought Milwaukee was on its way and they were going to wait for one of these teams down below. But Jimmy Butler was something else that last series. And now with him a little injured, they might, Miami might think about trying to win this series without him to rest him for the pivotal matchup, whether it be Philadelphia or Boston. But again, the East is wide open and so is the West. Both conferences, I I don't remember the last time. For, For some time, you can remember that one side was on lock, right? And that was when LeBron James went eight times in a row. Eight straight final. That's when you knew the East belonged to Cleveland. But there's nobody over there that is that dominant. And you look at the West, and they're all dominant. So it sort of cancels each other out just like it would having one dominant team versus having three or four. In the West, I don't know what's going on with Phoenix. They they make it so uh, unattractive to really root for them. They trade for KD. You would think they'd be unstoppable. Then Aiton, DeAndre Aiton starts playing terrible. Chris Paul's not in the lineup, and they seem to break down. I, I know that in, in the series against the Clippers, Phoenix looked unstoppable. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant looked like they figured it out, but then they ran into MVP Nikolai Djokovic, and Djokovic... Uh, Jokic, whatever you want to call him, the Joker, uh, the Siberian Slayer, whatever whatever it is that you want to you know name him, he goes on to show you him and, and Jamal Murray show you why they're the number one seed. 
4-1 against Minnesota, and right now they're up two against Phoenix. So Phoenix makes it so hard to root for them because they have the pieces and they just cannot seem to put it together. And that's hard. That's hard as a, as a fan, as a person in the front office. Could you imagine as a player how hard it is, how frustrating it is that they go, they, they get so close every single season and it feels like they're so far at the same time. Is is Kendall Jenner still in Booker's mind because he looked he looked distraught last night. Kevin Durant doesn't seem to be able to figure it out, and and it just seems like Kevin Durant cannot, uh, you know, as Charles Barkley said, can't be the bus driver. He just has to be the guy on the bus. He needs another star, another superstar in front of him, playing beside him. So that he can shine. And I'm sorry, Devin Booker is not that guy. Devin Booker has had opportunities and he's played really great games. But we've seen it time and time again. He comes up short. And I think Kevin Durant needs uh, something better. I don't know. Devin Booker should be enough. DeAndre Ayton. If DeAndre Ayton would play like how a big guy is supposed to play and Chris Paul be healthy, it should be enough. Devin Booker is one of the best guards in the NBA, but for some reason, it's not enough for Kevin Durant. He's not that guy for Kevin Durant, it seems. I, I don't know. I just, Kevin Durant needs a Steph Curry, a LeBron James, maybe a, a Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, I don't know what Kevin Durant needs in order to take over because he doesn't look like he looked when he was with Golden State. And yes, he's faced some injuries and yes, it's been some time, and and yes, he's gone through some different changes and coaching changes, but Kevin Durant of, of OKC and Golden State has not really appeared in, in this quarterfinal that we expect him to in the conference semifinal. Maybe he can turn it on on Friday, I think is the game, Cinco de Mayo. Maybe he can turn it on then. Who knows? Right now, they're staring at a 0-2 deficit, and they're going back to Phoenix. The, the series, though, I think, of the entire semifinals is the one I've saved for last. L.A. and Golden State. LeBron. Curry. A.D. Draymond. This is going to be a pivotal matchup. And for once, I think the depth of Los Angeles is better than the depth of Golden State based off the last series. But given those circumstances, anything can happen. That game tips off tonight here in a couple of hours. Miami and New York should be getting on their way as we record this podcast. But L.A. and Golden State, that's my favorite series. Tonight, I think Golden State gets the first game. They're favored by, I believe, four points. Four and a half might be the spread. Yeah, four and a half is the spread. The Knicks are favored tonight by six and a half. 
Uh, Anthony Davis is good to go. LeBron is good to go. No big injuries for the Warriors. No big injuries for the Lakers. I just think that it's going to be a a very good primetime game. Uh, We saw James Harden last night take over. Who's to say LeBron doesn't do something like that to steal game one from Golden State? I think this is going to be a very a matchup for the ages as far as we've seen this matchup before and it's always good i think these teams respect each other off the court and i think it's nothing but business when they get on the court it's definitely going to be the most exciting series uh on the side of the west it doesn't get better than this you have to enjoy this series because the moment LeBron and the moment that Curry are no longer LeBron and Curry is the day that this league is in trouble. You won't see a more dominant player for some time like LeBron and you won't see a greater guard for some time than Curry. And yes, we're at the back end of both of their careers. LeBron has two, three years left. Who knows? He might take that longer than that. But at a dominant level, it's going to be hard on his body. He's got two to three years max. I think he's just waiting on his son to do it with his son at least one time, maybe two. Curry, he cannot keep up that speed forever. He's in his mid-30s. That team might might fall apart after this season. Clay is going to want to get paid. Draymond's going to want to get paid and go somewhere else, have a fresh start. This team is going to look a lot different. Uh, but that front office at Golden State, they work some miracles, so you can't really shut that out yet. But the moment we stop seeing high-level basketball from Curry and LeBron is the day that this league is in a lot of trouble because they've tried to find guys that can come up in the next generation, and they're struggling. They thought John Moran was going to be that guy. He said, I'm fine in the West. Then he lost in the West in the first round. He went through some mental problems during the season. They thought maybe Giannis would be that guy that had that killer instinct, but he comes out and says, uh, you can't fail, it's just uh, leveling up. And people dragged him through the mud for that. It could be Embiid, but he has a problem staying healthy. It could be Jokic, but um, he lives in a small market, so they're trying to find the next generation, and they're struggling. They're struggling to find what what we've had for so long. We had LeBron for a very long time. We had KD for a very long time. We've had Curry for a very long time. And that is potentially all coming to an end very soon. And the NBA is trying to look for its next star. And you can see the way they hype up the draft to make things exciting, to get people to, uh, you know, grip onto the top 10 guys. and, And hopefully it sticks, but they haven't been able to do just that just yet. Remember, LeBron never faced any controversy off the court. Curry never faced controversy off the court. Kevin Durant never faced controversy off the court. And the the one guy they thought it would be, John Morant, he's already faced trouble once he got paid. Speaking of Memphis, Dylan Brooks, that was news that broke today. Dylan Brooks will not be re-signed by the Grizzly, Grizzlies under any circumstances when is the last time you've seen a team say under any circumstances that's a report i don't know if the grizzlies 
actually said that, but that comes from a couple of uh, sources uh, that you see on on the internet from Yahoo Sports, from The Athletic, from Shams on Twitter. And that is, that's incredible. I've never seen anybody say under any circumstances that's that's terrible. And it's not like Dylan Brooks is a bad player. She averaged 14 points and three rebounds and two assists. Not bad for a shooting guard. But in the last series against the Lakers, he averaged just 10, shooting 31 from the field and 23, 23% from the three. And that, remember, he, you know, it was a breaking point. Remember, he said he was going to poke the bear in LeBron James. He said, I don't care. He's old. I poke bears. I don't respect no one till they come and give me 40. And that was game one. And then it went all downhill, and it might have been the breaking point for Memphis. They already have a distraction that they've tied $200 million to. They're not going to have another one. The free flow culture that is in Memphis they're going to use Dylan Brooks as the escapee, the scapegoat for now. But that culture has a problem in Memphis. It's a free flow. Everybody's laughing. We're partying. We're dancing on the court. We're having a good time. Nothing wrong with it. But when you need it in the nitty gritty, look what happens. So they're going to out Dylan Brooks as the scapegoat for this year. But what happens next year? eventually you know how it goes they use a scapegoat then they start to trade players then they come at the head coach then they you know they talk about John Morant again they'll they'll go into this because there's a standard remember there was a second seed in the west had John Morant not not have those mental health issues in the middle of the season they very one they very well could have been the number one seed so there's a standard already. They're, they're very good in the regular season. But they have to be good in the playoffs. They haven't done that yet. See, and the problem is you have Sacramento, who was the third seed. They look very good under Mike Brown. They look very good. They're very polished. They're just young. So right there between Denver and Sacramento, in this rejuvenation of LeBron and Curry, where do you see Memphis really pulling away? Where do you see them next year? It's going to be a problem for Memphis if they cannot find a way to at least get to the conference finals. Not just the semifinals, the conference finals before they start pointing more fingers. Remember, Brooks got himself ejected in game three. Then the problem was is that he blamed us for his villain reputation. He stopped talking to the media. It all backfired on him. But it wasn't just the postseason either. This guy was the league leader for regular season technical fouls at 18. He was suspended when they played the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was fined $350,000 for shoving a camera person when they played the Heat in March. Last postseason as well, he was suspended one game in the Western Conference semifinals. See, last year they went to the conference semifinals. This year they can't even get there. So, yeah, there was a breaking point. He was on a three-year, three 
three-year, $35 million deal. And remember, they offered an extension to Dylan Brooks in the beginning of the season, and he said no. So, you know, that, that really meant he was betting on himself. So if you bet on yourself, you have to have an outstanding an outstanding season. That means Dylan Brooks should have held down the fort while Morant was gone. And if he says, I poke bears, he should have been the guy averaging near the most behind John Morant in the first round. But again, uh, the thing about Memphis is they have so many guys that they have to pay. Right, there was five guys that were due for extensions before this season. They extended four of them. They just didn't extend Brooks. But again, he said no. And it's 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 an issue because he's good at defense. But uh I expect Memphis to be very aggressive this summer. How can you be the second seed and bounce in the first round? Well, because they need to be more aggressive with their depth. The Grizzlies have pretty much their entire roster signed to next year. The only spot that they're going to replace is Dylan Brooks. But I expect some trades. I expect some aggressiveness and and some reevaluating especially after this season dylan brooks you are a shanghai shark by the way that it looks at of it because who's going to want that kind of distraction on their team he's very good at defense don't get me wrong but i think people that are going to want to sign him are going to have to have the conversation of him not being a distraction with the media and, and repurposing his image and he can't sit there and point the finger and say, well, it was the media's fault or, uh, well, it was uh, it was Twitter that made me the villain. No, you're going to have to do some some deep searching and, and, a, and a cleanse for next season. I don't know if he's going to be on a team next year. Maybe. Uh, you, you never know. He's a great defender, but I, I just don't see him on a team that that's going to compete uh, maybe on a team that's on a rebuild and can use uh, a little bit of his edge defensively. You know, it, it's hard because you look at teams like the Rockets who that entire roster top to bottom is expendable. The way that that rocket team carried itself last year, that whole roster might not be there next year. And, and some of those guys might not be on NBA teams next year. It's just the way it goes. It's the 1% of the 1%. So for a lot of these guys, you know, you have one realistic shot and then you show bad attitude, you show a distraction or or what have you, and that's it. So for Dylan Brooks, I don't know what's next. So again, in the playoffs, the last couple of teams, I really think Philadelphia and the Celtics, that is what your conference finals might be. And depending on how healthy Jimmy Butler is, I don't know where it goes from there. It's kind of wide open. And same thing in the West. Uh, I think besides the Suns, 
if they can't figure this thing out, is who is healthy enough and who's playing well enough to go toe to toe with Denver. That that's how the NBA is shaping up at this point. As far as the NFL goes, the draft was uh, officially over this past weekend. I thought a lot of teams hit it out of the park. We we did on the hard count on EP Sports Network have a, a breakdown, and surprisingly, uh, my team kind of had the vote of confidence from the entire hard count crew as having the best draft, which is the Steelers. Uh, and I thought they did tremendous. I thought they had a great draft. Uh, they they filled every need that they had except slot corner. Uh, I think they'll find that uh, down the road. Uh, but that roster looks like it's ready to compete. Finally, again, after the rebuild, quote-unquote, the rebuild where they had a, a still a winning season, but they will call it a rebuild uh, because that roster was not uh, ready to compete with, with Cincinnati, wasn't ready to compete with Buffalo, definitely wasn't ready to compete with Kansas City. But now this roster looks like they, they take a step in maybe competing with Cincinnati and maybe competing with Buffalo. I, I just don't know about Kansas City just yet. And I, I don't say win against those teams. I say compete, which which means that they can you know sway it either way. Lamar Jackson was signed to his contract. We talked about that in the last episode, and now a lot of people are saying that it's going to put the Ravens in some cap uh, problems. But I'm going to go on a little rant here. I don't believe the salary cap exists in the NFL. I think it's a suggestion. I don't really believe that the salary cap is real. You can move so many pieces around. You can you know, convert their salary to a signing bonus you can put some dead years behind you and what dead years are is really you're kicking the can down the road is the best way to put it you say that i'm going to give you money at this amount of time then you move money around and those dead years that that player never plays usually you put dead years uh, at, at the end of somebody's career uh, a la ben roethlisberger they did it with aaron Rodgers. they did it with tom brady it's just to give you some space up in front but the way that a lot of numbers are moved around. I just don't believe the salary cap is like a definite thing. I don't believe it's like a budget of you have $300 to go shopping. But oh wait, we can we can just dance around that. No, it's they they go shopping for groceries and they have their credit cards, they have coupons, they have special promos, they have three different credit cards and they still have the $300 cash and you're wondering how the heck did they walk out of there with $1000 worth of groceries when I had the $300 budget just as then. That's what I think the salary cap is. They use so many resources around them in trades and and you know, signing bonuses and Convert this to that, and before you know it, uh, a team that looked like they should have been in the bottom of the barrel as far as cap salary relief goes, their their books are positive for whatever reason. You're going to see more and more uh, teams get creative as you see with like, you know, Patrick Mahomes signing for half a billion. You wonder how they keep signing people. Well, they had to trade away uh, Tyreek Hill. So sometimes that's going to happen with the Ravens, with uh, the Bills, with the Bengals, with all these guys, with Justin Herbert as well, with the Browns. Sometimes you can't sign certain guys. And sometimes uh, you can't pay certain guys because they're looking for 
a three year, they're looking for a two year. And when you, when you create these, these scenarios of, you know, getting around the cap, you need guys to sign for four years or more. You need to have them assigned to extensions on a, a contract they already have. So you say, well, they had to get rid of Tyreek Hill. Well, Tyreek Hill wanted a lot of money up front. And in some ways you can't avoid that, right? He wanted his money up front because he plans to retire soon. So yeah, it, it makes it hard on certain guys, but when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, it, it makes it a lot easier to move around the cap. When you sign play, when you sign quarterbacks to big contracts, such as the Eagles have, you saw how aggressive they were in the draft. Get rookies, get them on rookie deals, saves you money. Still, they have a tremendous roster top to bottom, and they look ready to compete all over again. So that's my my entire take on, you know, quarterbacks getting upwards of 50 million. I just remember two months ago, we thought 40 million was a lot. But then Daniel Jones from the Giants, he said, I want 40 million. So, again, that's another reset in the market. That's another if Daniel Jones is getting 40 million. And Daniel Jones is not a top 10 quarterback. What does that mean for the actual top 10 quarterbacks? That's that 45, 50 million that we're talking about. All in all, I think this year in the NFL is going to be very exciting. Uh, I think a lot of bottom teams are getting ready to get near the top. I think a lot of divisions are going to be hard to win. And the NFL draft was like no other. I thought it was draft day. And Kevin Costner was the GM of the Houston Texans, who got two and three, the second pick and the third pick. Got his quarterback, got his defender. I thought they were really going to get that fourth pick. Really thought we were in a movie for a second. But nevertheless, the NFL draft had a lot of people, and for good reason. It's still the king of all kings as far as sports go. When we come back next week on the bus stop, we probably won't talk too much NFL. We'll talk and we'll talk NBA a lot, and we'll probably talk things that are local here down in Texas. We'll maybe talk UTEP, NMSU, um, the the NMSU controversies that they're facing. UTEP, how do they look for their football season? And we'll see if we can finally have our first guest here on the bus stop podcast. Remember. Like, subscribe, follow wherever you're getting this podcast. Give it a review. It really helps out us here on EP Sports Network. But again, thanks for stopping by here on the bus stop. Whoa.